0: from the dot com fed fed from the dot com these
1: Welcome to Faith, Fuel, and Fitness, the Integrity Way, with your hosts, John and Debbie Morris from Integrity Training Systems. Good afternoon, everybody. This is John and Debbie Morris with Integrity Training Systems on Real Talk 93.3. We always like to start the show by talking about what it means to be a warrior. And a warrior is a brave or experienced fighter fighter. I always like to talk every week about how you don't actually have to be brave to be considered a warrior. It says, or in the dictionary, in the dictionary. So just by proxy of having been experienced with anything in life, you are qualified as a warrior. You've had to fight some kind of battle. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody who's made it to any point in their life without having something that they have to overcome. So we always like to talk about either what, Debbie and I have had to overcome recently or even experiences with clients and just kind of give you a little bit of hope that if other people are dealing with the same things or similar issues and they're overcoming that you can as well. So Debbie, why don't you start us off uh, talking about either yourself or uh, someone else that you've been working with recently?
0: Um, you know, I feel like I often hog this segment. And so I want to start with you because Whoa. I know, because I feel like each week it's like I take up like eight minutes and you get two minutes to talk about how, Whoa. what the quality of your, um, you know, warriorship And, and I just think you're an awesome guy and you just have incredible testimonies. And, uh, I just think it's, it, it's worthy of, of speaking about, you know, and, although I'm, I'm sure I have something I can add to it. I think it'd be great to give you the opportunity to maybe talk a little bit more than me this week.
1: You know, I was talking this, uh, we were just recently in Rosemary Beach, Florida, and we had our friends and family members, also uh, their trainers for us at our gym. They came down with us, and we were talking a little bit about <clears throat> just life, just things that you overcome in general. And I've had... I've had different times that people have told me that I should write a book about what I've overcome in life. And it makes me laugh, you know, because I'm like, nobody wants to know my story to the extent of reading a book about me. You know, that's ridiculous. It's just my life. Like it's, it's not been anything crazy. You know, it's just what it is. That's what's gotten me to this point. Everybody has something that they've been through, but we were sitting and talking and we took it all the way back to when I was a child. Um, you know, and I was just a couple years old. I think I was three, and I actually fell face first into a bonfire. Um, and when I came out of this bonfire, um, I, I actually only had burns on the bottom of my hands, and it really wasn't that extreme. They were just kind of reddened and, you know, hurt and bothered. And I, as a three-year-old who knew nothing about Christ, nothing about God, I gave God the glory for it. It's actually what got my parents back into church. And so we went all the way back to falling into this, this bonfire, which then led to me talking about how I was a sickly baby and my mom actually had to quit her job. She had a a good paying managerial job at the time and she had to quit her job because I was so sickly that I required basically 24-7 watch. You know, my, my mom and dad would take shifts. My mom would primarily take the shift through the evenings. My dad worked uh, at a factory, and, I, and he made more money, so he actually kept his job. And then my mom started supplementing what she did of watching me with uh, babysitting. And I tell you all of that to say, I started to think back, you know, to, okay, I was a sickly little kid. I have fallen in a fire that probably should have done me a lot worse than it did. Um, you know, I I started looking at being picked on when I was little and getting into fights. And then that led into, as I got older, I, I started to defend myself. I started learning how to fight, which ultimately led to MMA and then in MMA, I experienced more injuries than I can even count. Like I, my running joke at the gym is that I've had more injuries and concussions than the average NFL team put together, you know, and, and it just continued. You know, it just continued all the way up to being overweight, having a heart attack, being a recovering alcoholic, having been addicted to painkillers, you know, having all of this psychological uh, trauma, having PTSD, being ADHD, having more connective tissue tears and muscular injuries than I can even talk about in the the time that we have for this segment. And I think everybody experiences things like this. you know, I, I've been through a divorce, I filed bankruptcy, I had to start completely over, you know, And I think that if we really stop to look at everybody's life, we all have hardships that we encounter like that. And it's always the hardest thing that we'll have to deal with. And I say that because someone that's listening right now, you're sitting there thinking that you're, you're engaging in something that you're not actually capable of overcoming, but you've thought that before, you know, I things with our business, you know, we obviously own a a gym and it's a personal training nutrition studio. And then Debbie owns a, a bakery that she, you know, runs and, We deal with things, and I find myself in this place where I'm like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can overcome this. This is just so stressful. It's just so much. Meanwhile, I've had a time in my life where I was pinned down in a hallway by a a large pit bull biting my forearm while its owner shot at me with a rifle down a hallway, and I overcame that. So it's like, is this really – is this really the toughest thing I've taken on? But your mind will tell you it is because in the moment it is difficult. So I think it's important for us all to take a step back and just breathe and acknowledge that we've already warriored through something in our life. And if we were able to overcome that in a moment of not believing it was a possibility, we can overcome what we're currently dealing with as well.
0: Yeah, that's really good. You've definitely seen your fair share of uh, difficulties trials and yet somehow find a way to overcome and and just ignite you know yourself in a way to where you get up and you do it again and and you challenge yourself to be even better over and over again and I know that that really encourages me and I've always tried to be an encourager to you I know for me um You know, every now and again, you'll have someone that'll just say something to you and maybe they're having a bad day or maybe there's a circumstance that, you know, you don't really know anything about, you know, that is why they're coming to you, you know, maybe in a manner that they are or maybe just something happens that shakes your confidence a little bit. And it's just for me, I think, you know, part of being a warrior is – committing your mind to believing that you're worthy of um, Christ's love, you're worthy of the provision that he has for you, Um, you're worthy of his grace and his mercy on your life, and that even though someone else has said or done something against you, that doesn't have to become your identity. You don't have to think less of yourself. Um, you don't have to let your confidence get shaken just because their confidence is shaken because they wouldn't be disrespecting you or they wouldn't be coming against you if they were confident themselves. And I just think that it's so easy to just let life kind of just bring us down and 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 really change our opinion of ourselves. And then, unfortunately, it changes our opinion of who we are in Christ and and what we're actually capable of accomplishing through him and, and what he's really designed us to do. And so I think just the word worthy um, comes up. I've been listening to this book um, about finances and, and, and believing and having uh, in, in having the favor of God on your finances, but it's also believing that you're actually worth it and coming out of, Maybe the thinking that, you know, when you grew up, maybe you had less or maybe there was a fear around money and, and just embarking on a, a, a new, you know, walk where you're not in fear or where, you know, maybe you're not uh, living a life where you think that you're not worth having that. I think we can feel like our worth is nothing in several areas of our life. Um, but if you get into the Bible and you read the scripture if if we are you know, a child of God, then our worth is it's greater than gold. I mean, because we, we have his hand on our life. So we just have to remind ourselves of who we are and uh, what Christ positioned us for on this earth and stay focused on that and don't let these other distractions and these other people— that are maybe saying things or doing things and when the disrespect comes in or when something comes in and really shakes up your confidence don't let it be the thing that sinks you just remind yourself of the word and encourage yourself and remind yourself that the joy of the lord is your strength and remain strong you know in him for sure for more information on what we do at integrity training systems take a look at integritytrainingsystems.com Or give us a call for a free personal fitness assessment at 636-299-2208. For gluten-free, dairy-free, nutrient-dense baked goods delivered to your doorstep from my personal bakery to you, take a look at sophiesbakery.com. And for 100% grass-finished beef delivered to your door, take a look at fedfromthefarm.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is John and Debbie Morris with Integrity Training Systems on Real Talk 93.3. I want to talk a little bit about fasting today. I think that it has become something that I would say in the last couple years at least has become a a catchphrase or a keyword uh, that you hear in the health and wellness industry. Unfortunately, I do think that there is a lot of... um, information around fasting that is incorrect. And I also believe that some people believe fasting to be just not eating, (laughs) you know, like, oh, I'm just fasting. And it's like, no, you're actually starving yourself. You haven't ate anything like that's not going to be healthy. So Debbie, can you just kind of define like what fasting is for us kind of nutritionally, what it means to appropriately fast?
0: Um, I mean, I think there's lots of different ways of looking at fasting. Obviously, fasting is just not eating, you know, and and keeping yourself, you know, but from from taking in calories. But at the end of the day, um, w- nutritional fasting really has more to do with setting the body up um, to achieve a state of autophagy. So the benefit of fasting is truly autophagy, and what autophagy is is self eating. So ultimately, ultimately, self eating is sounds somewhat ridiculous. So if, if we, if we, you know, we, we're not typically walking around saying, you know, well, I'm today self-eating, you know, but the whole point of fasting is to clean house on the inside. So that internal cleaning is to get rid of any old, ugly, dead cells, proteins, that should not be in there. And usually those particular cells are the types of things that actually manifest themselves into disease. So as we fast, um, you know, we, we go to bed and we decide, okay, I'm not taking in any calories. I'm, I'm not taking in, I'm not putting anything in my coffee. I'm not, you know, having anything for breakfast. I am simply fasting. And let's say we go to bed at 10 o'clock and we decide we're going to fast until 10 o'clock the next day, or maybe we're going to fast until noon the next day. Because we're not adding any calories, we're not flipping off that autophagy switch. So we're taking autophagy from being eight hours and we're extending it to being 12 hours. And the benefit of that is that we clean house longer. So that's like saying, you know, someone came over to my house and they had a vacuum And they just decided to go ahead and vacuum my house for four hours instead of two hours. And they got the wand out and they're using, doing it on my baseboards and they're doing on my blinds. I think we'd be thrilled with the results of that. Well, I think you will be thrilled with the results of what happens if you extend your fast, if you truly extend your fast and you do not break the fast. Now, that would mean that you would be allowed to drink water Uh, You could have black coffee, you could have tea, we can't add any sugar, we can't add any creamer to these, but fasting is a very healing method. I mean, it truly can bring on a calm to the immune system, it can get rid of toxins that are creating disease, Um, but you have to make sure that your body is in a relatively fat adapted state. To really be able to efficiently fast, um, if it's not, if you set yourself up to where you know you're, you know, really carb-driven or insulin-driven, then what you're ultimately going to end up doing is, is you're probably going to have a really difficult time with a fast. You're going to wake up the next day and your body's going to be really desiring after sugar. Um, you're probably going to feel a little hypoglycemic. Like it's just not going to be a positive situation when you're trying to fast. So I normally tell a person when I meet with them. I don't want to fast you right off the bat. That's not my goal. I want to actually get you to an efficient place with your food and get you to an efficient place um, with your blood sugar and make sure that you have blood sugar stability. Then I will fast. If you don't have blood sugar stability and you're trying to fast, what you can do is you can actually cause more stress on the body than benefit. So you can set your body up to have almost like an adrenaline response, therefore a cortisol response when you fast, if the body's not really equipped and ready to fast. Like if I had jelly beans before I went to bed the night before, the next day when I try to fast, like I'm going to be really messed up because I blew up my blood sugar before I went to bed and I'm kind of like in this major hole with my blood sugar and I'm going to try to go all day long without eating. That's going to be really tough and it's actually going to be a stressor for my body But if I had a really nutrient-dense dinner with quality fat, with quality protein, um, good fibrous carbohydrates, all very slow to raise my blood sugar, all very slow to drop my blood sugar, then I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be in this really good spot where I'm going to be able to extend my fast. Then my body is more likely to go to access stored body fat and to try to use that as my energy source all throughout the day, which is kind of what fat adaptation means.
1: So let's say that we do that. You know, you do get to a point where you have someone that is properly fasting, not someone who, like you said, just starting out, you're deciding to have them have a large window of not eating. What would be the proper way to break a fast like that?
0: And that's something to be very cautious with, because if you just start piling food in, you actually can can negate a lot of the benefits that you just uh, tried to achieve from that fast. So if I just I'm like, oh, gosh, I went all day long, you know, without food, I can't wait to go get a Big Mac. You know, I mean, whatever I'm having, if it's just too high carb or if it's, you know, has a lot of sugar in it, then I'm going to end up creating an insulin response and I'm going to create inflammation in the body from that insulin response. So I'm ultimately going to end up having an adrenaline or cortisol response either way. So it's definitely important. What I normally recommend is that you start with fat and protein. So let's say you take your protein, you know, from that meal and have some olive oil on top of that start with that and then an hour later have fibrous vegetables maybe you have a green salad with a little bit more olive oil on it or a little bit of avocado on it or maybe you have some roasted vegetables with olive oil and then that's it just start with that don't don't have a lot of sugar don't have a lot of starch And then maybe go three to four hours. Um, If you did a dinner-to-dinner fast, you would just have that. And then you go to the next day. I also feel like bone broth uh, with that dinner or making a big soup with that dinner is great. Because it's so nourishing. It replaces your electrolytes. It replaces a lot of the minerals that you didn't get in that day throughout your fast. So making a big pot of vegetable soup for the evening And then having a little bit of meat with it or a little bit of fish with it or maybe um, a couple eggs scrambled with it, that's a great way. But, again, start with the protein half hour to an hour later, then move to the fibrous vegetables. That's an excellent way of going about that. Now, this is what we do. This is our six-month nutrition program. I mean, it's not just about fasting, but these are the types of things that we explain to you. Yes, you may watch someone on Instagram and they talk a little bit about fasting and you dabble in a little bit. But again, what if you're missing some it's of these easy things to do wrong? Right. Yeah. What if you're not doing it in the way that's really most effective for your body and you're actually harming yourself more than helping yourself? That's exactly what we do with our six month nutrition program. We tell you exactly what to eat, where to buy it from, what to order when you eat out, what to do when you're traveling, what you should be drinking, and any vitamins or minerals you should be taking. For more information on a six-month nutrition program with us at Integrity Training Systems or a free personal fitness assessment with any of our personal trainers, take a look at IntegrityTrainingSystems.com or give us a call at 636-299-2208. For gluten-free, dairy-free baked goods delivered to your doorstep from My Personal Bakery, take a look at Bakery.com and 100% grass-finished beef from FedFromTheFarm.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is John and Debbie Morris with Integrity Training Systems on Real Talk 93.3. We just got done talking about fasting, and, Deb, you touched a little bit on blood sugar stability. I want to go back to that a little bit and just talk about why blood sugar stability is so important. I know that when you do nutrition with someone, especially in the get-go, you always make sure that that's something that people completely understand is it's not just about, like, macro-basing diet, and you know making sure you hit those macros you you're actually looking to control that blood sugar. So why don't you explain just a little bit why that's so important?
0: Well, I just feel like blood sugar stability is kind of the foundation of all things, of all quality health. You know, if if you don't have proper blood sugar, you your body will be inflamed because if it's spiking, you're creating inflammation in the body. If you don't have proper blood sugar, you will be craving so you'll be hungry all the time. You won't be able to stay on a plan because you're, you're not going to be able to, you know, find any consistency in your day because you're never going to have stabilization. So being nutrient dense with your choices, with your meals, is what creates blood sugar stability. Looking at the plate and being able to see that you have a quality protein source, that you have quality carbohydrates that are full of fiber, and you have a quality fat source, All of that really creates blood sugar stability. So what it does is, is it allows the blood sugar to build when we have carbohydrates, but then the fat and the protein keep the blood sugar from spiking, but also keep it from collapsing, which allows us to have extended energy. we have that extended energy, it makes it to where we stay very stable all throughout the day. So we're not always craving, our energy is not up and then down. Everything just stays nice and neutral and nice and stable. And typically in the beginning with someone, that's what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, that's what that first 30 days is, is finding that stability. I mean, nine out of 10 times, or I'll, even, I'll say eight out of 10 times, people come back and they say, I'm just blown away that I'm not hungry at all. You know, I I was eating even more food before than I am now, but I'm not hungry at all. Right? And it's like, well, you have a full plate of food, but when you look at the food that you're having, it's very fibrous, it's very dense. So there's nothing that's spiking their blood sugar. There's nothing that's dumping the blood sugar down. We're not creating an inflammatory response from any of it. So we're really just creating stability. So you can see how it's your foundation. Right, like that's what we build good health from.
1: Well, I know we share a mutual client, and he's a highly athletic guy. I mean, he he does uh, refereeing for like uh, collegiate and national level soccer. I mean, he he can sprint like nobody's business. I mean, he works out like nobody's business, and he actually was attempting to eat relatively healthy, but he's a diabetic.
0: Yes, and type two,
1: type two, and I, I know that when he came and started working with you. Um, he got into a position where he was having, I think they said, you know, uh, at least once a day where his blood glucose monitor would would sound off, you know, and he would have to do something to correct that. And for the first two weeks that he was working with you, that didn't happen once. His, his blood sugar was actually staying within, like, two points of itself, you know, without moving up or down And I know you talked about how to control that, obviously being watching those spikes and watching those falls. Is that kind of the principles that you took with him was just making sure that meals are more well-balanced? Was there just a a deficit in how much protein and fat that he was having? Or what did that look like? Because I do think that that's a pretty common situation, even for non-diabetic people, is they may not grasp. The actual reasoning for putting those "quote unquote" macros the way together the way they should.
0: Well, I think for him, the first month we went from like before he was having all of these different types of protein bars that had all different types of sugars in them. Sure, <coughs> you know maybe they had oatmeal in there, but then they also had honey. Some of them had rice in there. Um, they had dextrose. They had maltodextrin. There, all these different forms of sugar, and he was actually having these things multiple times a week. Because it was quick, it was easy, it was something he could take, you know, on the field with them. Um, But, you know, then he would grab a banana, you know, uh, that's quick, it's easy. And it's like none of these foods on the outside looking in seemed horrible. And I think that's the thing
1: is like if you look at the sugar-burning community of high-level athletes, uh, runners, distance athletes, things like that that's what you see. You see these goos. you see these bananas, you see these, these high level sugar burning, uh, substances. And it actually is efficient from just an energy burning perspective. Like you're running high octane fuel when you're out running, but it it's not necessarily going to be healthy for everybody. And in fact, it's not healthy for many people.
0: Right. But the thing is, is that okay, I guess you could say you're running high octane fuel. And it's not like I'm trying to rebuttal what you're saying. I'm just saying, I want to give a different perspective. You could say it was high octane, right? But is it high octane? Because at the end of the day, here's how far it gets you. It's basically like saying you have a 400 uh, gallon tank, but because you're a sugar burner. I'm only going to fill it up to 250. Even though your tank could go, you have the ability to perform to 400 gallons. But because you're a sugar burner, the flame is only going to burn to 250. And because you really don't have enough fat, you don't have enough protein to really extend the life of the meal that you're having, you're going to have to fill up every 250 instead of someone that is more fat adapted, that's going to be able to go to 400. And what's weird, they may even be able to go to 450. The tank's not even big enough for 450, but their body just runs on fumes because they're fat adapted.
1: So that's the thing. I guess high octane wouldn't be the right verbiage. Nitrous is what I'm talking about. I'm talking about running off of shots right. rather than fuel, yeah. you know, and it becomes scary. It's it's no different than the energy drink or the the soda world. It becomes scary to think about doing it without that. And we have had multiple athletes, these distance runners, people like that, you know, uh, Ironman uh, runners that have switched to a fat adapted state, and the entire community is like rallied against them. Like you're not going to be okay. And they blow the doors off of what they've done in the past. Right,
0: and they also change their health. Their body's less inflamed. And so, what's happened with him is his body has actually become less inflamed in the past month. Right, so he's performing better. He's not bringing pro-inflammatory ingredients into his body, and he is staying very nutrient. And he struggled with his
1: knees for as long as he can remember, and they're the inflammatory scenario being down in his body has actually caused his knees to improve. Right. You know, he's no longer having to chase like therapeutic style mobility work for his knees, which was assisting, but not making the problem go away. He's actually internally feeling a correction to that problem.
0: Right. Which I think the the deal is we, we want to build glycogen for him because he is so active glycogen being the energy source that the muscle tissue uses a glycogen building food would be a sweet potato it would be um, butternut squash it would be acorn squash it would be um, quinoa those would be the examples of the things that I've been giving him recently. I took rice out because I it was just rushing his blood sugar up too much you know I took uh, you know certain breads out because they were just they were just spiking his blood sugar too much. You know, and now he's just very, very neutral. He's really feeling like everything is very level. In fact, one medication he doesn't have to use. He was on three medications. Um, and then the hope is that, you know, we'll just keep reducing those medications. So it'll be less and less and less. And what you'll see in those circumstances when someone's dealing with the blood sugar issue is you'll actually see their blood pressure change at the same exact time because the body isn't inflamed you're not having these insulin spikes you're not you're not drawing fluid into the body on a regular basis so you you you're just not dealing with as much inflammation
1: i mentioned a little bit about you know soda and energy drinks as well and i want you to just kind of explain in the last few minutes here what effect does caffeine have on the blood sugar because i i do believe <laughs> that even people that have kind of grasped this concept of blood sugar regulation as far as like potentially watching that crash, even if they don't know that's what they're doing of macronutrienting, you know, making sure they put proteins and fats with their carbohydrates and their starches, you know, they may not understand that there is an element that caffeine has as well. Cause I know a lot of the world still runs off of pots of coffee.
0: Right. You know, I wore a continuous glucose monitor recently for two weeks it was my third time doing it. I think they're a fantastic tool. If you have a doctor that would be willing to call one in for you, it's it's really, really worth um, trialing it. But I drink one cup of decaf coffee in the morning. I use the brand Bulletproof. I try to, you know, have a pesticide mold-free coffee when I drink, but I always drink decaf. And I put a little bit of coconut milk in there, a little bit of stevia, pure stevia. There's no other ingredients other than stevia. And it, it is the only time of the day when my blood sugar would spike.
1: And this is decaf, you know, so this is something, it's not caffeine free, but this is something with a, a much lesser Very low. caffeine yes. element than a caffeinated cup of coffee.
0: Right. So ultimately the only time of the day, the only time, and you can see, I posted it on my, uh, on my Instagram and my, in my Facebook this past, in the past week. You can see the line. It's just straight across. But in the morning, it spikes. It goes up to almost 150 and then comes back down. And then I just stay in that like and 90 to thing, 105 range.
1: Another thing that's interesting about that is you're not putting any carbohydrates in with that. You're not adding sugar. And you are actually adding a fat. And you use a decent amount of the, the unflavored coconut milk. So it's like if you're looking at the fact that there's a fat addition to that if people are using these sweeteners and these sugars or these you know, sugary milks or you know, things of that nature, there's an even larger spike that's coming there. So what you're drinking to actually produce energy or create a wake-up effect could actually be causing a blood sugar spike and then in that crash or that fall be creating fatigue.
0: Absolutely what it's doing. That's exactly what it's doing. You just have to be so cautious with caffeine. Um, really small amounts of caffeine, just very lightly added into your day. It's just really important to pay attention to how your body is is being impacted by it. I mean, just it, I'm the prime example of of I, I have no reason for my blood sugar to go up. I have no foods. I mean, it wasn't going up from fruit. It's not going up from a starch. It is legitimately only going up from that cup of decaf. So really watch because you're having an adrenaline response. And insulin impacts so many different parts of your body. Of course, it causes inflammation, but it can throw your hormones off. I mean, it, it, it can throw your brain off. Your neurotransmitter levels can get thrown off if your insulin levels are off. So you have to think like if I'm bringing, maybe my food's okay, but if I'm bringing caffeine in every two hours, every three hours, and of course, if you're putting garbage in with that caffeine, you're setting yourself up to not just throw off your blood sugar to actually create inflammation in the body, to actually throw off your hormones, to really create an imbalance all throughout your body, maybe even throw off your brain and become more anxious or, you know, maybe have instability with your mood. Maybe one hour you're anxious and the next hour you're feeling down. These are the types of details that we really focus on with our nutrition program. We have a 6-month nutrition program at Integrity. For more information on that or to have a free personal fitness assessment with any of our personal trainers, please take a look at integritytrainingsystems.com or give us a call at 636-299-2208. For gluten-free, dairy-free baked goods delivered to your doorstep from my personal bakery, Take a look at Sophie's Bakery.com and my favorite farmer, 100% grass fed beef, all that we eat in the Morris House, fedfromthefarm.com.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is John and Debbie Morris with Integrity Training Systems on Real Talk 93.3. So far, we've been talking about some different elements of uh, eating, fasting, as well as blood sugar regulation, stability. And I want to move a little bit more into mindset and just talk about the hard way being the easy way. And when it comes to food and when it comes to nutrition, this is a difficult concept for people to grasp because everybody wants to talk about they still want to, quote-unquote, enjoy life, or they still want to be able to have the things that they want to have, um, and that it's too hard to give all of those things up. But the reality is what's hard is having disease. What's hard is not feeling well. What's hard is, like we just talked about with the spike of the coffee fighting through the crash that follows that. And a lot of times our world ends up looking at things backward. And it's not just about nutrition. It's about life in general. And I can speak a little bit to this. Um, I am a procrastinator when it comes to things that are not important. So if something's important and needs to be done, I get it done. If it's something that I have like 30 days to do, I'm probably going to do it on the 29th day. It doesn't make any sense, it creates stress. And what it comes down to is in the moment, I'm like, I don't feel like doing that right now. Like I just, I don't wanna do it, so I'm gonna do it later. And so I put off for my future self what my current self doesn't feel like doing. And eventually what that does is it creates anxiety along the way to the time that the the object is actually taken care of. And then when it comes time to take care of that situation, a lot of times there's a scramble, there's panic, there's anxiety that comes with that. And so the easiest way to do that would be to take the five minutes it requires, the 30 minutes it requires, the hour, whatever it may be to get that done and get it done so that I don't hit a point where it's six hours of consecutive work or task that needs to be accomplished. And a lot of people, like I said, they struggle with this. You know, you see it in the gym, like, oh, I don't feel like working out. I hate working out. But then what it comes down to is they, they're they going to walk around and not feel well at home. You know, if if you're wanting to find a way to make sure that you're able to sustain movement into your older years and you want to make sure that you're able to walk around the backside of a pond and hang out with your granddaughter, which I've had a client who came in and that was his goal was to be able to walk around the backside of a pond with his granddaughter. You think about that. You take for granted that you can do that. The way you're going to do that is to put the work into the movement, to exercise, to engage in physical activity. And I understand it's tiresome. I understand it's fatiguing. I understand that it's difficult and it's going to hurt sometimes. But what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to not fall apart and and the whole concept of what i want to talk about this segment is just being able to realize that if you just put the work in now it will be less work than you are required to do later to just be okay and so deb i know that recently you've talked about good intentions and how they only take you so far and i want to kind of expand on that i want you to talk to us a little bit about how you can have the best of intentions to get something done But at some point, the intentions aren't going to be enough.
0: Yeah, I really like um, Dr. Gabrielle uh, Lyon. Um, She she said uh, in in this in her latest book, you know that the hard way is actually the easy way, and the easy way just ultimately ends up being the hard way. And I just think that I just will. I don't follow people that have this flow where they're like yeah, I look like this and I eat donuts every day. Look at me, look at my plan, come do my plan. You know, I I eat garbage and still look like this. Like I don't follow people like that because that is not the, it seems like the easy way. You want to be able to have those things. Yes, You want things to be as easy as possible, but I'm telling you that the hard work is going to come to you. It's going to come to you because- you're gonna ultimately at some point need to take a medication. You're going to end up finding out that your blood work is not okay. You're going to end up finding out that maybe something's starting to develop inside you that you're not aware of because you're taking in toxic ingredients on a regular basis. And so that easy way that seems so easy um, that you know just that just really is just so great because you can eat your cake, you know, and and you can also you know still look good. It's just a little bit too good to be true. So I try to follow doctors that actually really focus on healthy living and creating quality ingre- you know quality meals with great ingredients that still taste great.
1: I think that uh, social media and the Internet has actually really clouded this for a lot of people uh, for two reasons. One, there's a lot of data out there, and people are like, I have trouble navigating what's true or false. The problem is that a lot of it can be true for different individuals, as well as a lot of it can be false for different individuals as well. The second aspect is, unfortunately, things are sold as true that aren't actually true for anybody. And what I mean by that is if you're watching a social media influencer and they're crazy jacked, they're in phenomenal shape. And they talk about how they eat and they sell you on the system. And you're like, wow, they're in great shape. They look like they feel good. You know, um, they're always positive. They're always happy. That's a snapshot of what they're doing. Just like on Facebook, you might see someone's post and you think they've got the greatest marriage in the history of marriages. Meanwhile, behind closed doors, they're slugging it out. You know, so you have a snapshot of someone's physical health and fitness I knew a guy, he was about my size, leaner, jacked dude, used to eat donuts, candy, I mean, drank soda. I mean, it was hot garbage. The guy had ulcerated colitis, but if you saw him in person, he looks like a Greek god, okay, and he was always positive to your face. But then behind closed doors, the guy would be so sick, he's almost dying, So you have to just kind of take things for more than just the surface value and you have to press through this concept of wanting this short-term temporary release of food and acknowledge that what it's building in the back end is probably not going to be good for you. And the people that you're watching, trying to mimic, they might not actually be presenting to you what it is that they have to deal with as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I just think that, you know, go all in in life. You know, quit trying to take the shortcut. Quit trying to, you know, rip the band aid off and expect that everything's going to happen overnight. Go into the gym and make every workout count. Do your best. Meet yourself where you're at that day and and expect the best from yourself and just keep working hard, working hard at preparing your food, working hard at making good choices at a restaurant, working hard at, you know, having a healthy vacation working hard at providing healthy options for your child. Like just keep making the right decisions. Every now and again, a party's going to come up, an event's going to come up. You are going to go off. I get it. That's going to happen. But, you know, it doesn't have to mean it lasts a week. It doesn't have to mean it lasts a month. It can be one meal and you can go back to a healthy lifestyle and you don't have to create disease because of that. It It's It's not worth it. This easy way, this I want to be able to have my cake and eat it too type of life, you're not satisfied with it. You're not satisfied with the way you look and you're not satisfied with the way you feel. So you're going to have to put in the work to be able to get to a different life.
1: I have a picture hanging up in the gym from when I first started in this aspect or this journey of my health about a decade ago. And it's me exercising. And the quote that I've put with it is, suffer the pain of discipline or suffer the pain of regret. And I think at the end of the day, you have to either accept that it's going to hurt in the moment or it's going to hurt later. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, I've had this argument with people before, like, oh, so-and-so, they died when they were 50, and they were like a crazy fit, ate good, this, this, and this, and they still died of a heart attack at 50. I guarantee you if you went to them, if you could resuscitate them and bring them back to life, you would have pretty close to a 0% chance of those people telling you that they wish they had just went ahead and been unhealthy.
0: Right, because they probably would have died. Because they would have
1: probably then. died sooner. Right. But I but I can also tell you on the flip side of that, I have talked to multiple people that have been in their deathbeds and or talked to people who have had relatives there that wish they would have done life a little healthier or oh, done absolutely. life a little different. We've
0: talked to so many people that way and we don't want you to be that person today is a day that you can make a change. Maybe you had a terrible day. This meal, this very next meal can be a great meal. You can go out to eat and you can make good choices. You don't have to have food. Even through a drive-thru, you can make better choices. Let us help you with it. You know, Don't try to do it alone. Let us take you on a journey where you can find a lifestyle, like a true, healthy lifestyle, not just a diet. For more information on a six-month nutrition program with us, please take a look at integritytrainingsystems.com or to meet with a, 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 a personal trainer for a free personal fitness assessment, please give us a call at 636-299-2208. For gluten-free, dairy-free baked goods delivered to your door, take a look at Bakery.com and 100% grass-finished beef fed from the farm.com. Thank you so much for listening.